Good morning and welcome to 1C. Would you please rise for our first song? Shout 
singing Come on, come on now We got a new song Come on, come on now The song of liberty Let the world hear Heaven's melody This is the shout of the heart you set free One of the spiritual gifts that God blessed me with is listening. Uh, I like to listen to other people and we're all on a different journey and uh, listening to their life story and uh, hearing their walk uh, just helps put a perspective on my life. Wednesday night I love to do the meals. I mean that's it's fun. Uh, the people I work with are fun. I don't feel like when we volunteer to do things that we're necessarily blessing others. I, I, I think that that's a big part of it. I think so many people don't realize how much of a reciprocation there is in that process. We go to the SOS, which is uh, something that really excites me. I uh, can really relate with the people from SOS. That it's a time where you go and you take games and snacks and you just keep sharing the love of Christ with them. and and show them that you care. So I got involved with SOS because I went to the outreach from here when it was a GoCo. And that GoCo probably helped me save my life more than anything because I learned that I could go to SOS and get treatment as an outpatient. My time and my talents are my treasures and that's what the church did for me in my youth. And I, I go back now and I teach Bible study there and I love it because it's another hour and a half of fellowship with people who are in my shoes. Everybody has a gift that they can share. I mean, whether it's um, a mow in your neighbor's yard or scooping the sidewalk in the winter, or even just as simple as like sending a, a text message to somebody or Facebook message, and you know that could like brighten someone's day if they don't get a lot of text messages, and you would be the one to just reach out and 
like, hey, how are you doing? And I think when we say like the out, sometimes that can seem like a big task. You think like, what sort of global project do I need to be a part of? It can be that, but it doesn't have to be. It can be those simple things. Being what the Lord needs you to be, right exactly where you're at every single day. So I really enjoy hospitality and um, so I've been a part of like the trunk or treats and the Thanksgiving meals. I do feel like though God is really kind of challenging me in that area of out right now. It's fairly easy to get $20 to something, but um, to really take the time to stop and build a relationship with uh, people that don't know Jesus is more of a risky investment, I guess you would say, of my time. I just think that uh, the out can even be right here in our church, uh, after church, reaching out to people, uh, talking to them, showing them love, making them feel valued. Somebody asked me, hey, I got this going on or this going on, can you help me out? I'm like, sure, go out and help them. They're like, hey, that's so much, I thank so much for helping out. You know, nobody else has ever offers their time or energy. That outreach, not only do I help, I remember the first time I went, I gave somebody, a guy a Bible, a grown man a Bible, and he'd never had one before. And he was in tears that he could keep it, and that it would be his. And if I can just share my story and offer somebody hope, every time I walk in there for a meeting or for a Bible study or for whatever, I see a ton of young people get asking for help and getting help. And the hope that gives me is that somebody doesn't have to wait till they're 49 to ask for help. And right now we both are in jobs that we love. It is very rewarding and we do share a lot of what we do and what we believe in. With this summer, I was able to be blessed serving at last summer camp as the assistant camp director and I was able to just serve those kids and show them my love for Jesus. And with me, with my photography, I love to give certificates or do pictures for free if it's needed for different events or like a cancer benefit or something like that or a school fundraiser. It's a way for me to give. I think it's a matter of like seeing where God plants you and using that every day as an opportunity to be Jesus to people. There is a good chance that you may be the closest encounter with Jesus that someone may get that day or in their whole life. You know, we're, we're gonna make mistakes, you know, and apologizing and coming back to those people and that can be like Jesus too. And you know, and like in my scenario, thinking of myself like with my with other teachers or staff members or students and being able to be Jesus and look for opportunities to know that God put you there for such a time as this. curious about your story. I mean, over the last couple of weeks, we've heard people talk about their experience with up, you know, worshiping God. Uh, we heard about in, you know, being together in community. And now we're, we heard about serving, uh, using your gifts, abilities, talents, treasures to bless other people. And we got to hear a couple stories, but consider what is your story? What is the story that God wants to write in your life? 
be thinking about that, especially as we've been going this series about difference makers. God wants all of us to make a difference in kingdom work. That's you, that's me. All for the glory of God. All right, uh, a couple things as we move forward uh, for announcements. Uh, let's see here. What are the usuals? If you're a guest, right, we want to get to know you. If you're on Facebook Live, put it in the comments section. You could stop at Next Steps after the service, or you could text uh, to 1C Guest to 94,000, and that, that would allow us to get in uh, communication with you. Two, we're going to have prayer time. And if you have a prayer you would like to have included in worship today, a couple ways you can do it. If you're online, feel free to put it in the comment section. Uh, we have actually paper forms out in the family gathering area. You could fill that out. Or you could text your prayer request to 402-242-5051. Thirdly, we have communion. Here at 1C, we believe it is a gift that God gives to his people. It is bread and wine or juice and the body and blood of Jesus for forgiveness. So if that's your belief, we encourage you to join us. Uh, we serve communion two different ways. One is uh, continuous communion, so you'll come forward and we'll have that for you available. Uh, but also, if you're sitting there and you're saying, I'd like to stay where I'm seated, I don't want to come forward, we have individual communion sets available at the kitchen window in family gatherings. So feel free to make your way over there. Also, on the way in, if you hopefully got it, if not, get it on the way out, our bulletin, and it is chock full of many opportunities for ministry, for you to be blessed and for you to be a blessing. Just want to highlight two, community Thanksgiving meal, Thursday, November 25th, 11 to 2. A couple ways in which you could be blessed and be a blessing. Come, celebrate, give thanks for what God has given you, and, and uh, have some food with other brothers and sisters. So you can do that. We'd also like, if you would want to volunteer, we'd like to know. And you can go onto the website. You can get connected that way, and we'll make sure we lead you and guide you how you can serve. Um, also, we have a board that is in family gathering area, and it's got some turkey feathers on it. Hopefully that'll give you an idea that that's about Thanksgiving, right, Gary? All right, we got figured out. But it's opportunities for you to get some items that we need for, the gather, for our Thanksgiving meal. So just go there, grab a, a tail feather, and bring back whatever's on that, and that would help. Uh, also, just to highlight, we have a, a surprise party coming up, and it is an attempt to connect people. If you want to know more information about those, it's in the bulletin, um, an entire page uh, dedicated for that to explain what that is. Encourage you to be thinking that way. That's it for announcements. Let's continue to worship our Lord. <clears throat> This is one of my favorite praise worship songs by Casting Crowns. A couple years ago, I got to hear this recording, and, and uh, this song is a simple prayer to God that you would use me by me offering up my heart, you speaking to me, God. So something to think about as we go through uh, worship. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Can you sing that with us? 
so speak what is true. Speak what is true. Boys and girls, come on up front for the kids' message. It is time to make your way on up front here. Find a seat on the floor. <laughs> All right. Well, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about Nehemiah, the story of Nehemiah. And I found a really great video on Right Now Media that shows the story of Nehemiah and also this point that we're going to talk about today that God gave Israel um, strength to rebuild the wall, and then also the strength to fight off the enemies that were attacking them. So let's go ahead and watch this video on Right Now Media on Nehemiah, all right? Welcome to the Jelly Telly 5-Minute Family Devotional. Jelly Telly! Old Testament Heroes Nehemiah, God gave his people strength. Today's verse is Nehemiah 4.14. Then I looked around and stood up and said to the important men, the leaders, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and powerful. There was an Israelite still living in Babylon named Nehemiah. He was the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. He's the king that sent Ezra back to Jerusalem. Right, but why did he need someone to hold his cup? Didn't he know how? Kings were always worried about enemies putting poison in their drinks, so a cupbearer was the person in charge of everything the king drank and everything he drank out of. That's right. Kings had to trust their cupbearers so much that the cupbearer was usually one of the king's closest friends. What's that have to do with Jerusalem's walls? Well, another Israelite who'd been to Jerusalem told Nehemiah that the walls were in terrible shape. The Israelites had been back for almost 90 years and no one had gotten around to fixing the walls. So Nehemiah decided to do something about it. He went to King Artaxerxes and asked for permission to go back to Jerusalem. He even asked the king for all the supplies he would need to rebuild the walls. That was pretty bold. It was. King Artaxerxes could have been upset. He could have been suspicious. He could have said, no way, Jose, I need you here keeping me safe. But the Bible says God moved in Artaxerxes heart and he smiled on Nehemiah and gave him everything he asked for. Wow, so Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem and rebuilt the walls. Uh, did those pesky neighbors mind? You bet they did. They didn't want Jerusalem to be strong again and strong walls make strong cities. His neighbors sent Nehemiah threatening letters trying to get him to stop, but Nehemiah kept working. So they started gathering soldiers to attack Jerusalem and stop the work. But Nehemiah heard about the plan and stationed guards all around the workers to protect them. He had the workers keep their swords with them all the time. And they had trumpets to blow if anyone saw an enemy coming. Nehemiah asked God to give them strength to finish the huge job. And before their neighbors could do anything about it, Jerusalem's walls were done. 
Let's review today's verse. Nehemiah 4.14 Then I looked around and stood up, and said to the important men, the leaders, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and powerful. Let's talk. What did we learn? What do you think it would have been like to be an Israelite working on the wall and being attacked? What did Nehemiah ask God for? Let's pray together. Let's ask God to give us strength to do the right thing, like He gave to the Israelites building the wall. I love those Jelly Telly videos. They are fun. And do you see those two questions? There's a question of what would it have been like to have been an Israelite and been trying to rebuild the wall and be attacked? What would that be like? What do you think it'd be like? (laughs) What would that be like to be trying to rebuild the wall and have people attacking you? You don't know? You'd be tired? Yeah. Yeah. Scary, be tired, yeah, absolutely. And so what did Nehemiah ask God for? I am scared. Did you you hear what God asked, or what Nehemiah asked God for? Strength, yeah, Nehemiah asked God for strength to help him rebuild the walls and to fight off the enemies. And did God do it? He did, yeah, because they rebuilt the, do- rebuilt the wall in like 52 days, really quick, and they fought off the enemies, right? So God gave them the strength they needed, and that was pretty awesome. What do you say we pray, all right? We'll fold our hands, bow our heads, and you can repeat after me, okay? Lord Jesus, we know you are with us, so please give us strength to fight our struggles and to live for you. Amen. All right, boys and girls, you can head on back to your seats. Thanks for coming up. And moms and dads, that is just one of dozens and dozens of five-minute devotional videos on Right Now Media that come with a short video, a couple questions, a prayer prompt, something, a fun, easy way that you can do devotions at home. There's also thousands of other half-hour-long Christian videos that you can play in your home as well. If you don't have access to Right Now Media, see me after worship. Love to get you set up with that free account, something we as a church pay for, and then we provide it to everyone um, free of charge. As we get ready for the next song, this is an opportunity for you to consider how blessed you are. And uh, we mentioned last week that we are now uh, passing the joy baskets out again. And that gives you an opportunity, one of the many ways in which you can respond and say, Lord, you have blessed me with one blessing on top of another. I want to give back. And as we've been talking, giving is everything from our time, our talents, even our treasures. All of these things come from God to us because he loves us. So in preparation for this next song, um, In Christ Alone, I love it. It's just a powerful song. Uh, But also in our opportunity to respond, let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you again that you have demonstrated what it means to give. And you gave your very life 
so that we can have life in you and with you forever. And on top of that, you blessed us with one blessing on top of another, and uh, how glorious that is. And uh, you, you take great delight when your children, all of us, say thank you for those gifts. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, all of us individually, in uh, leading us in what ways we could say thank you. And in the end, Lord, we want to do this and be faithful to you and be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
preparation for Holy Communion, let's take a moment to get honest with God about our sin and our need for His grace and forgiveness. And up on the screens, you will find a prayer that I would like to encourage you to pray along with me out loud. Together we pray. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. And just prior to this, we sang in Christ alone. And I want you to know that because of Christ and what he did 2,000 years ago, you can have the absolute assurance your sins are forgiven. In fact, the Bible describes it in a very beautiful way. He takes our sin as far as the east is from the west. I don't know how far that is, but that's a really big distance. And then it says, and he remembers them no more. Slates cleaned. So may that give you a sense of joy and peace and comfort as we now come before our Lord with this gift of Holy Communion. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. And then, in the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. And as we continue now with the distribution, if you're going to take communion where you are seated with those individual communion sets, feel free during the next song to receive those in faith, believing the blessing that God gives. And if you're coming forward for continuous communion, remember, If you need gluten-free, just let us know. If you also need juice, let us know that as well. May God bless our time together as we celebrate his grace. You were there when it all came. 
And now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and empower you for mission and ministry. Go in his name and in his love. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we bring our prayers to you spoken and in our hearts this morning from our 1C family. Prayers for Casey Thornton, for good news at the doctor tomorrow. For Deb, speedy recovery from back surgery. For my sister-in-law in Massachusetts, she has COVID. Lord, continue to be present with Nancy as she undergoes radiation treatments. Keep the side effects minimal and the healing powerful as you shower her with your love and presence. Work through these procedures to completely heal her, Jesus. To help me battle with my demons and become closer to you, God. Please be with my sons. Do your work in their hearts so they get along and start to respect each other. Prayers for an MRI that, are, that is coming up tomorrow. For good news about my right knee. And I pray that everything turns out okay. For my brother-in-law, Rod, who went on a ventilator last night to fight the COVID in his body, we believe that you are healed in Jesus' name. Prayers that COVID passes through me quickly so I can, back, so I can get back to work. I'm about to lose my place. For healing for my father, who recently had heart surgery. Prayers for my sister, who's fighting her own demons and pushing loved ones away. For Lydia to find you in her new life. And for our son Don and his growing heart in you, Lord. Praises and thanks for you. You gave me a wonderful life partner in John. Father, there's division in my family. A prayer that you will intervene with peace and healing. And thank you, Lord, for all the volunteers who help lead our student groups at Exploration. Please remind them of the impact that you make through them in the lives of our youth. Gracious God, we praise you and thank you for hearing our prayers. Your grace, mercy, and love sets our hearts free from the trials and stresses in this life journey. And we thank you for your son, Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, week number three, and we really have two titles for this. One of them is All In, and you can see on the enviro environmental projection, um, All In. And we're going to talk about what that means and what that looks like. And if you remember, I kind of boldly declared that uh, the leadership here at 1C believes that if more and more people at 1C becomes more all in, we will make a greater kingdom impact. And, and I believe that with my whole heart. So be thinking and praying about that. But the other title that we have is entitled Difference Maker. 
And connected to that is, you know, God wants to use people like you and me and somebody named Nehemiah to make a difference in this world. But sometimes we have challenges. In fact, uh, today we're going to be looking at Difference Maker confronting the challenge. And I want to give you a Jim Thielen story. Some of you know that um, I was a stellar student. Okay, thank you. That should be the approach. I was far from a stellar student. Some of you know the storyline is uh, every semester the teachers would get their list and they would look on the list hoping that they would not have a Jim Thielen in their, in their class. Because I, I have the reputation of disrupting every class all the time. I was that bad, okay? Well, here's the good, good news. Here's the storyline. God got my attention, all right? My world got turned upside down. Jesus became Lord of my life, and I could think of nothing better than to serve him. In fact, early on, I would say I was so all in, it concerned my parents. They thought I was in some kind of cult or something. I mean, I would go downtown Milwaukee, and I would want to find people that need Jesus, and I would share it with them, and I would do it with such a passion. Or my first year at college... I earned a total of five credits all year. And if you know what, if you're a math person at all, you know that's not a lot. And one of the class uh, that I took was with a bunch of athletes in it, and it was called Freeing the Natural Voice. And all you had to do was to show up 80% of the time and you would get an A, 60% of the time and you would get a B, and nothing lower than a C. It was that kind of class. In fact, I remember one of the things I learned, and you're going to be impressed. You could take this home to your family and friends. Did you know that there's a difference in what your voice sounds like when you go like this? Uh, versus when you go like this? Uh, that's what I learned in one whole semester of class. Wow. Well, let me back up a little. After my change, before I started my academic career at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, um, I started a Bible class. And it was in the high school music room uh, where you know, God did a, a, just a powerful thing in the whole school. But I started a Bible class and I thought it would be really good and people would come because they were like, yeah, Jim Thielen's going to lead a Bible class, what's up with that? So they would come and we'd have lots of people. But there was one time, I think it was in August, uh, later in the summer, when this girl came in to the room and my heart started beating fast. I turned to, and just so you know, this, this uh, girl came in late. <laughs> Ever since then, been the same, late. But anyway, she sneaks in, she's going around. I, I knocked the guy next to me and say, who's, who's that gal? And he goes, yeah, it's Hauser's little sister. Well, it took me a couple of months to get the courage to have somebody else ask her out for me. <laughs> if you know how that works, right? Would you go there and just see if she would be willing? What? Oh, it took six months. I was slower than I even thought. Anyway, so we started dating. It was like incredible. It was wonderful. It was glorious. She was a Jesus follower, and it was like, you know, we would pray and talk and read. I mean, all that stuff, we could never spend enough time so anyway, uh, three and a half years later-ish, so to speak, we get married. It was a beautiful day. 
wonderful day, May 29th. I remember that. Memorial Day weekend. I always remember that. Well, we make our way off to the seminary. You know, I graduated from Concordia, Milwaukee. Um, I did it in three years. I just worked really hard to get done. We get to the seminary. I go for like summer Greek, which is, they call it sink or swim. It was not pretty. It was really hard. And then I started my first quarter there in the fall, and I was burned out. So we talked, we wrestled, we prayed, and I was like, let's just go back. Let's just go back. And take a break, and a year and a half later, we'll go back. Well, I come back, and a good friend of mine, uh, we had this idea, let's start a business. So we started a courier service with the cheesiest name and the tagline that you would ever hear. We were... Go for courier because we go for you. It was bad. Our vehicle that we had was a 1962 Mercury Comet. No air conditioning, no seatbelts, but it did have an AM radio. Well, I was rocking the tunes. So I was the president, co-president with my friend Bob, and the, the uh, dispatcher was uh, Kristen Thielen, and by then, she, she was pregnant, and so we were kind of running the business out of our uh, place we were renting. And back then, you got to know, for those of you that have always had a cell phone, I want you to know, they really didn't exist, you know, back in like the 1980s. And so we had a voice pager. How many of you had a voice pager? I'd like to see how, who's old enough to know because you're admitting how old you are but when you raise your hand. A voice pager. That was the deluxe edition. Because you'd have the pager that would beep, and then you'd have to find a phone to use to call. Ours was a voice pager. So Kristen had 10 seconds to give me a message. And she would try to say it really quick. And she would, you know, she usually takes a long time to tell a little story, like Mary had a little lamb. She would tell it in like 30 minutes. So she would try to get this message of, pick up at PPG Industries, deliver to AAA by 3 o'clock. But she would have to, it would take her a little longer, so I'd get like one part of that, pick up at, and then it would be gone. And so I'd have to figure it out. But anyway, we were doing our best. We were living the dream. First day, $12 is what we made. We were rolling in the money. And after a year and a half, God blessed us. I, I think it was like a, about $1,500 a day. We had four vehicles. We had other drivers. It was really expanding and going well. But we had talked about going back to the seminary. So it was time to start getting ready to go back. My parents weren't in favor of it. My friends were like, why do you want... And part of the reason my parents... My parents didn't have a good experience with the church. And they were like, why do you want to do that? Look at what's going on here. This, wouldn't it make more sense to do this? And my friends were feeling the same way. So we had a lot of opposition. Uh, but you know, we, we stuck to our guns. We ended up going back, and uh, here we are today. I do believe, um, let me give you this. Anytime God leads you to do anything that's good, meaningful, generous, and lasting, and I'll use the word eternal, okay, something that has eternal significance, Ready for this? Expect opposition, expect obstacles, and expect resistance. 
If you remember, last week and I think the week before, I talked about the law of Lucifer. Whatever God is for, Lucifer is against. So, if God stirs within us this desire to do something that is good, uh, meaningful, um, generous, something that's eternal, something of eternal significance, you can bet the farm that you're going to get some kind of opposition and some kind of resistance. That's the way it is. And the way it's going to be until the end of time, before Jesus comes back. Now, we've seen it happen in the beginning as well. Go back to the story of Adam and Eve. God creates Adam because he wants to make man in his image. And he wants this beautiful relationship between man and God. Well, then he notices it's not good for man to be alone, so he makes Eve, puts them together, and he wants them to be together and experience this beautiful intimacy. But remember, the law of Lucifer, whatever God is for, Lucifer is against. God's desire that this was going to be good, that it was going to be meaningful, that it was going to be this idea of uh, generosity, of giving and receiving and blessing. And so the serpent steps in and frustrates this. Or how about Moses and Pharaoh? Children of Israel were in bondage, slavery for 430 years because they settled. And I, someday I'll give you the whole story. But they just settled on being in Egypt. God could have said, you know what, you, you made your bed lying in it, but instead he pursued them with an everlasting love. He sends somebody like Moses, and Moses comes and he's got this holy discontent. It's like, ugh, and he stands up against Pharaoh, and Pharaoh stands up against him. But don't mess with God, right? So after 10 plagues, Pharaoh finally says, get out of here, and then they go. But resistance, opposition. And then we get the story of David and Goliath. You know, here's a group of people called the Israelites. You know, these people are his people. And there were nations and armies that were lining up that wanted to oppose God and whatever he stood for. And then we see the story of David and Goliath. Here's David. He just couldn't stand the fact that, that Goliath was making fun of his God and Goliath was going to come up against him. Opposition. And then we get to the New Testament and the ultimate um, moment where there is opposition to what God wants to do. So we have Jesus, and then up against him, Herod, Pharisees, Jewish leaders, Judas, the devil, the demons, you name it, they would, came after him. Because Jesus was going to do something good, meaningful, generous, and eternal. And the enemy did not want that at all. And then the storyline that we've had for two weeks, we're going to have for today and, and next week, this guy named Nehemiah. And we're going to look at uh, two people in particular that came up against him, and it was Sanballat and Tobiah. Uh, they kind of came up to him. Uh, but let's back up a little bit. I'm glad Greg had the video. It gives a little bit of the history of, of what we saw and what we experienced. Nehemiah is stirred that the people of Israel are back in Jerusalem, but there are no walls and no gates and no protection. It stirs within him a passion, a holy discontent, where he stands up against King Artaxerxes and he just says, hey, you know, my people, my people are in danger. And through the power of God's spirit, the king said yes, 
and the king gave letters of, one was protection, so when he made his passageway for the thousand miles, but he also gave provision. You know, here's some items you can get, and the king kind of put his stamp on this project. So, Nehemiah gets back, gets things going, uh, things start happening, and all of a sudden, opposition comes. Why? Because Nehemiah is doing something good and meaningful, generous, and lasting. And here we have the account that we find in Nehemiah chapter 4. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? We heard the word feeble, and you can almost have this impression that it's like, well, a bunch of misfits. It's more than that, because in Hebrew, the word feeble actually looks like a, like a flower that's been cut off and is dying. So there's not much to this. And, and so Sanballat is saying, here's a group of people that have nothing. They're nobodies. What are you trying to do? Will, you, will they restore, restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? So the first person, and then Tobiah joins in. He says, um, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their walls of stones. So a lot of discouragement going on here. They're trying to do something Good, meaningful, generous, and lasting. And they stand, stand up against it. So, don't be surprised when you face opposition. When, like I said before, when we, when we go forward and we're doing what God has called us to do, there's going to be opposition because of the enemy. And I didn't say it at the first service, but I'm going to say it here, and I'm just going to let it lay, and then I'm going to move on. Does it mean that if you're not getting opposition, maybe you're not doing things that are good and meaningful, generous, and lasting? And that's a theological wrestling point that we don't have time today, but just wrestle with that. Um, think about this. Advancement invites opposition. We saw that with Nehemiah. We see it through the history from Genesis all the way to, to the end. The devil, the devil doesn't bother those who are not a threat. I grabbed a couple of these quotes as I've been uh, researching for this sermon. So just picture, if you, if you would, uh, there is some movement, there is some headway, they're doing their thing, they're getting going, and then there's discouragement. What is Nehemiah's response? What did he do at the beginning when he had this holy discontent? He spent four months in prayer. He was wrecked, and so he went before the God of the universe to get meaning, purpose, and, and direction. So he does the same thing in Nehemiah 4, 4 to 6. It says this, I'm not going to let praise get into my head or criticism get into my heart. And then here we have it. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Now that part I'm good with, but the rest of the prayer is a little weird. And maybe he did, didn't have, you know, the message of Jesus to temper his prayer. He goes like this, turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them, plun um, give them over as they plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from their sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. 
it's almost as if he is telling God to go get him. But what are we told now? What are we supposed to do for, with our enemies? Love. So Nehemiah's learning, okay? He's not a priest. He's a person that just has got a passion. So maybe he's not perfect, but here we have an example where it's like, okay, God, go get him. And I'll tell you, there are times I do that kind of prayer where maybe I'm so broken, so angry, so hurt that I say, okay, God, give it to him. And I'm not sure that is the best way to do it. But anyway... Um, so then uh, we find here, do not cover up their guilt. Um, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. A couple verses later. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. So they're having a little bit of discouragement. They had this out. Um, outside opposition coming, Sanballat and Tobiah. Now they're struggling with their own little personal world. This is tough, and maybe it's physically, but maybe it's emotionally more than they can handle. And then we go to verses 11 and 12. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, Whenever you turn, they will attack us. So they're feeling it all over the place. There's a discourager. There's inward talk. There's even the rumor of war where it's going to come against them when they're doing what they did. So what did Nehemiah do? Verse 14a. This is Nehemiah. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. So, when opposition comes, it's not if. Because when we are doing good, meaningful, generous, and lasting work in the kingdom, when God is using you and me to advance his word and his love to a really dark world, expect opposition. But Nehemiah demonstrates a practice that will serve you well and serves me well. Remember the Lord. And we don't have everything that Nehemiah said. Who knows? Maybe he said stuff like, hey, hey, remember? Remember when I went to the king? Normally it doesn't turn out well, but it did. He let me go. He gave me letters. I was able to come and we're getting things going. Remember the Lord. He did those things. Maybe he did what a a really good Jewish father would do. And even to this day, Jewish dads are pretty incredible when they follow the practice of remembering what the Lord has done. So maybe Nehemiah said, hey, let's go back in time. Remember when our forefathers were slaves in Egypt and it looked as if everything was lost and all of a sudden God delivers Moses and Moses delivers the people and then when they were at the Red Sea and it looked like they were going to die, God parted the Red Sea. When they went across and when the Egypt armies were coming, God closed the sea. I mean, remember all the times in which God has done his thing. So when you're doing good, when you are doing meaningful things, when you're generous and when you are doing things that are eternal, opposition is going to come. But don't forget your God. Remember him. Remember him.
In fact, I think Nehemiah would say this. The greater the opposition, the greater the opportunity for our God to fight for you. There's an old song um, it calls, it's called The Battle Belongs to the Lord, and maybe some of you remember that, but a beautiful song, great reminder that while we might be engaged in battle, who does it really belong to? Who's the strategist? Who's the one that comes alongside of us? Who really is our provider and protector? It's God himself. So he comes and he says, I'm with you. And that truth, the greater the opposition, the greater the opportunity for God to deliver And I don't know what battles you're having now. For Nehemiah, it was discouragement. It was people were tired. Maybe your battle is something with cancer. Maybe it's with finances. Maybe it's with a marriage. Maybe it's with whatever, where your wall has kind of fallen down a little bit. Remember, the greater, greater the opposition, the greater the opportunity for our God to fight fight for you. But let me finish uh, verse 14. He says, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and then he says this, and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your home. Are you ready for the fight? Because when we are in Christ, and in Christ alone, I I love that reminder, while we're on this earth, there is this warfare that's going to happen. And God calls you like he called Nehemiah and those people rebuilding the wall to stand up and fight. We are not to lay down. So, fight for your marriage. Fight for the unborn. Fight for a world who has taken God's values and moved it off to the side and says, well, they don't really matter. If you want them to matter, you can. But fight for those things that God says. Because it matters. And I do believe, and next week we're going to hit it hard, folks. I'm going to give you, we're going to talk about being all in. And what does that mean when we're all doing this together? The building of the wall. Here's the, I'm just amazed when I hear the story. Who rebuilt the wall? Well, God did, yes. Nehemiah did, yeah, yeah, yeah. But who built? Was it carpenters and masons? Nope perfume makers, goldsmiths, merchants, nobody with the, quote, skill of rebuilding the wall. What does that say to us today? God can use anyone. And I talked about attitude over aptitude. It's not what you bring into the equation. It's what God brings in and through you. You have been redeemed, you have been purchased, you have been forgiven for a purpose. And may we be faithful in that purpose. So we're going to take an opportunity now to remember the Lord. And one way we do it is the Apostles' Creed. I love that it's a summary of the Christian faith. And when we go through this, please Please kind of remember, not just in your head but in your heart, all the things you're going to talk about, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All of them. This God is involved in your life personally and intimately because he cares that people like you and me would do things that are good, things that are meaningful, things that are generous, and things that are lasting.
So let's stand and let's profess our faith together. And if you would, say, say this out loud boldly. Together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So you said the words, do you believe them? Amen. Okay. Now, I want to give you an imagery. How many of you have ever received a gift card? How many of you have any of those gift cards stuck in some drawer not being used? How many of you ever re-gifted the gift card? Yeah, thanks for the confession. I feel like I'm with you. What good is the gift card if we don't use it? No value. No value. So we just spoke about who God is and what he wants to do in you and through you. So live in that and in this blessing I'm going to give you. Hold on to these promises, live them out, share them. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace, now and forever. Amen.
on, everybody. Go in peace and serve the Lord. Just as I am